Here we go. All right, so I think it's 11 o'clock or a minute after or so. So uh, we're going to get started. Um, I'm going to take roll first, and then we'll have uh, Leah. Are you reading the opening statement or someone reading the opening statement? Yes. I'll take roll and give you a chance to Thank get ready you. for that. <laughs> so I'm going to take roll real quick here, and we'll go from there. Uh, Rebecca Buford? Here. Sarah Waters? Here. Christina Gentry? Yes, here. Uh, Thomas Allen? Here. Erica Zimmerman? Here. Dana Ortiz? Here. Shannon Aury? Here. Ron Gacious? Uh, Ron's gone today. Edith Guffey? who is also going to be absent, I believe. Thomas Howe. Uh, Monty Sokup here. Trent Santee. Here. Shannon Reed. All right. So uh, that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine present, which represents a quorum. So uh, we can call the meeting to order and then have the opening statement, please. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I have a few housekeeping items for this hybrid meeting. This is Leah Roseland, Affordable Housing Administrator. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on City's YouTube channel and Cable 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you're not speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to me. Unless you are participating during the meeting, please turn your video off. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. You will still be able to hear the meeting when you are participating, please turn your video on. If you have any trouble, you can send me a chat. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. And now I'll turn the meeting back over to Mr. Suka. All right, great. Uh, we'll, we'll, the meeting's in order where I have public comment. Uh, the advisory board will allow the public comment on items listed on the agenda. Each person will be limited to three minutes for public comment. Members of the public may provide public comment during or comment on multiple agenda items. General comment on items or issues that are not scheduled on the agenda may be made after all regular business of the advisory board has been conducted. Each person will be limited to three minutes for general public comment. So I'm going to look to the room. Do we have anyone that makes, do we like to make public comment here? Okay, so we get to the agenda item. Okay, that's fine. Um, do we have anyone online with their hand? Uh, I don't see anyone online. So um, we're going to call public comment and close that. Mr. Chair? Yes. We do have a written submitted comment. Did you want to pull that up? I thought up? I would pull that at the agenda item. You're talking about the one from Ron? Um, no. This oh. You have an, we have another one. Yeah, we can read that now. Okay. Um, should I share? Yeah, my can you read that? Because it's not coming up on my screen and I can't read it from here. Yeah, let me just share this. 
Oh, you want me to read that? Okay. Uh, attention, Leah Roslin. I propose improved community relations between the Douglas County Housing Authority and local property lessors to clear negative activity surrounding Section 8 voucher program. Having recently transferred my voucher from a different county, it became obvious that almost all of the many properties for rent in this county. Oh, <laughs> sorry, I was trying to make it easier to read. You moved it on me. <laughs> uh, excluded potential renters who had Section 8 eligibility. As far as I could tell, in most cases, regardless of the credentials of the renter, this was due to misunderstandings as to how the program works or some negative experience or reputation uh, gained from past failures. Perhaps there could be a way of sharing the positive success stories of the many good tenants and the many excellent and skilled workers at the housing authority willing to accommodate both sides of a rental agreement. Commercial properties seem especially turned off about taking Section 8 vouchers. Couldn't these relations be improved somehow, asking for the advisory board's consideration on this crucial matter that results in many vacant rental units and many eligible renters unable to find housing? Thank you sincerely. Uh, this is an anonymous uh, submission. Okay, so with that. So, Monty, yeah. this is Shannon Nowry, the Housing Authority. I don't know if you want me to respond now or if you'd like me to hold a response, but happy to do uh, that. Yeah, go ahead. If you would like to respond, I, normally we don't respond to this, but if you would like to respond, it wasn't a, you know, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, about a year ago uh, with uh, working with the city staff, we have an ESG grant. It's for a landlord liaison project. Um, we've hired Marielle Ferrero to be our landlord liaison. We have a landlord symposium that's scheduled for July 28th. So we are actively trying to do what is suggested um, I will say that we are having a higher degree of difficulty. We attribute that some of that to the, the need that we had during COVID to put a lot of uh, renters in units who needed supportive housing through rapid rehousing. We've had quite a few landlords who've had negative experiences because we did not have the supportive services in the community that those renters needed. And so, I mean, there were very significant issues with some of those situations. Um, we've lost at least eight large apartment complexes that amount to over about a thousand units who will no longer take vouchers. Um, you know, uh, Matthew Falk of Burt Nash has acknowledged this problem in a couple of public meetings with the county. Um, so, you know, everybody was in a bind during COVID and we had to put some people in, in locations that really weren't good for them um, or the community or the landlords. Um, and we are trying to recover from that scenario and actively working. We have a fund now to try to, to do a damage 
kind of recovery and we've we've we're getting additional ESG funds and plus we've asked for funding from the county for some of these and the housing authority is putting $50,000 of its own reserves into uh, these programs to try to work with landlords to address this issue. Thank you, Shannon. I'm glad to hear uh, that you guys are working on that and have programs in place. That's a, that's a certainly a positive step forward. Are there any other public comments? All right. Seeing none, I'm a close public comment. And we would consider the second item would be to uh, consider the approval of the meeting minutes of June 13th, uh, Affordable Housing Advisory Board. So I've opened the floor for either comments or a motion to uh, approve those minutes. This is Christina Gentry, um, member who has received housing assistance. I make a motion to approve those minutes for last month. Thank you, Christina. Uh, do I have a second? Rebecca Buford with Tenants to Homeowners, second. Thank you. Are there any comments on the minutes? Seeing none, I'm going to take roll. Uh, Rebecca Buford? Approve. Sarah Waters? Approve. Christina Gentry? Approve. Thomas Allen. Approve. Erica Zimmerman. Approve. Dana Ortiz. Approve. Shannon Aury. Approve. Uh, Trent Santee. Approve. Monty Sokup. Approve. Motion passes 9-0. And we are on to the regular agenda items. Um, first item we have on the agenda is receive out of cycle affordable housing trust funds application for New Hampshire Street Lofts project and presentation from Tony Krisnick and consider making award recommendation to the city commission. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Tony uh, to say what he would like about uh, about the project and everybody's obviously seen the materials provided, and then we'll open it up for questions. Tony? Thank you. Thanks for coming today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Um, New Hampshire Lofts is located on the east side of New Hampshire Street, right there where the uh, essentially Allen Press portfolio, as I think of it, is located. Um, and although this is a, you know, what I believe an extremely important project for the city uh, uh, in the area, providing 48 affordable housing units. Um, it's also going to result in the removal of the buildings that have been blighting the south bookend of downtown for uh, literally decades now. Um, if awarded this project by the Kansas Housing Resources Corporation and by the city uh, of Lawrence and Douglas County, uh, we would hope to start construction here uh, in October or November of this year. We already have uh, uh, approval from the Historic Resources Commission 
with the exception, I believe, of one or two items. They wanted to verify the material, but but the size and scope has always has already been approved by uh, the Historic Resources Commission. It's extremely similar request to what uh, we requested uh, at Penn Street Lofts, with the exception that we have one more affordable housing unit. Um, uh, and um, instead of live work on the first floor, we're proposing, uh, let me find that number real quick, approximately 15,000 square feet of commercial space. We believe that that's going to be uh, important for, for downtown. We, we also believe it's well situated for Class A office or nonprofit office as close as it's located to uh, to all of the uh, city and county headquarters or, or the county headquarters across the street. Um, the request uh, is for out of cycle $550,000, which is an identical request to what we've made previously. Uh, we made our request out of cycle last time as well. Um, from a um, from a unit standpoint, I just wanted to go over some general numbers. Uh, we have uh proposed six studio apartments with the rents that start at $440. We have 35 one bedrooms, rent starts at $465. We have six two bedroom units, rent starts at five at $560. And then we have one three bedroom unit with rents uh, starting at uh, three, uh, $1,350 uh, per month. These rents are uh, significantly below the uh, caps in the respective uh, area median income brackets. The total project costs for this project is just over $14 million, which includes acquisition costs, reserves, um, and all of the uses of funds. And, and, and that number is obviously significantly higher than uh, than what we proposed on Penn Street lofts, you know, before the great inflation. Um, and so, again, we we wanted to, to keep it almost identical in our request uh, as we did last time, such as the $550,000 was awarded. Similarly to last time, we understand that uh, there might not be $550,000 um, uh, to provide to the project in the first year. And so we, as with the first project, are willing to take that in two installments, uh, one this year and, and one next year. Um, and then lastly, um, we were asked last time to do some level of permanent affordability. Uh, I believe it was 5%, I can't remember, but, um, but uh, we're, we're willing to do that on this project as well. Um, we work with uh, tenants to homeowners. We work with uh, uh, the, the county, Shannon's group. Uh, we do accept vouchers. And so from that standpoint, um, you know, I, I, th I think what we heard earlier, this would fall right in line. I think that Penn Street Lofts initially might have had over 20 vouchers um, in, in the building. I think um, I think that's an accurate number. Um, and I would say that um, aside from the material chosen, this building does look very similar to Penn Street Lofts. Uh, and I'm proud to announce uh, that Penn Street Lofts actually won uh, the uh, National Runner-Up Project of the Year Award from Novogratic uh, in the Development of Distinction category. We're actually going out to Nashville to, to speak at that conference. And receive that award in late September. So I think that the uh, that the su success is 
uh, has been proven through, you know, the various projects we've done on the warehouse arts district. And don't quote me on this, but as of two weeks ago, I believe we had 250 people on our waiting list at Penn Street Lofts. And so uh, we believe that the need is there and that this project would be filled up uh, as soon as it opened. Um, and other than that, I'm happy to, to field any questions that you might have. Okay, are there any staff questions? Do you have any, any comments on the presentation from staff? This is Leah Rosen, Affordable Housing Administrator. Uh, my only comment is that I'm happy to pull up any of the application materials or any other materials okay. that might be necessary or helpful. All right, then I'm going to open it up to the board. Uh, do we have questions from the board? Uh, this is Shannon Owry, uh, Housing Authority. Um, Tony, what happens if we don't if we don't consider this until our regular February schedule? Um, and would I mean would make an award in in not February in November? Um, what happens? Yeah, um, obviously we don't have the financing to close on the construction uh, of the project. At best, it'd be delayed. Um, you know what what that would do to the um, you know to tax credit rates and um, and additional inflation. Um, you know, obviously we don't, we we don't know. Um, but but right now, um, you know, we we are asking for the five hundred and fifty thousand. We should hear from KHRC here in the next couple of weeks. Um, and I think one other thing that's important to note on this project is this is um, a small portion of a much, much larger project that would come down the line. Um, unlike other projects, um, you know, this project, uh, the developer fee, almost the entire developer fee is being deferred. And so, you know, this, this is, this is a project that's extremely tight. And, um, and for those reasons, we, we need the $550,000, the NRA, the IRB, just almost the exact same program that we, that we did at Penn Street Lofts. Um, the other reason to start a project like this, uh, obviously, in the fall is so that you can be in the dry working through the winter time. So even if the project was delayed by, say, 90 days, the true delay would probably be much, much more than that uh, because we wouldn't have the opportunity to have the building framed and, and work on the, the interior of the building in the dry during the winter time. Other questions? Yeah, go ahead, Erica. Erica Zimmerman, Executive Director, Lawrence Habitat. Um, thanks for your proposal, Tony. I did have a question. If I heard you correctly, some of the spaces you were um, doing differently were the work-live spaces. It made me wonder um, if there were some lessons learned from the Penn Street lofts that you might be incorporating into this new building. I know you said they were looking very similar, but um, just any lessons that you might have learned from the affordable housing piece and if you've incorporated that into the new space. Yeah, I, I, I feel like on... Uh, I feel like on I feel like on Penn Street lofts the affordable housing piece um, was fairly consistent with uh, with the other projects that we've worked on. I think we've done 
12 uh, affordable housing tax credit projects now. Um, one thing that surprised me on Penn Street Lofts, I guess, I, I had uh, held on and not really done any studio units or efficient units until Penn Street Lofts. I was surprised that those were actually the first units to lease up, which is why I incorporated more studio and efficient units in this project as well. Um, the live work piece uh, was also extremely well received. Uh, live work and affordable. Um, I believe we've been 100% occupied with a waiting list since October. Um, from a design standpoint, you know, I, I feel like we've, especially on Penn Street Lofts, went back and forth uh, with the city uh, and the neighborhood uh, quite a bit on that one. So when we got into New Hampshire Lofts, we knew what to expect. And I, and I attribute the, the experience of Penn Street Lofts um, uh, to, you know, having, having a pretty smooth uh, process with the Historic Resources Commission. Um, other, other, other than that, you know, I, I think it's, um, you know, a pretty straightforward project, new construction, which is, um, you know, oftentimes a lot simpler to, to develop than some of my historic buildings, such as, you know, the, the one that I'm going to start here in a little bit at the Kwanzaa Hut. So I, I feel like this is pretty straightforward. Okay. Other questions? Uh, yeah. Trent Santee, um, the Lawrence Home Builders uh, rep. I, I got a couple questions for you. The first one being on your, your application that shows the number of units and you, you gave us the starting price for those units. It shows a scale for the cost of those units. Is that a sliding scale based off of the AMI or how is that attributed? Yeah, that's correct. So we have 30% AMI, 50% AMI, and 60% AMI on this project. And each one of those uh, rental scales is depicted, is the maximum rents are depicted uh, by HUD. And so each one of these rental scale, scales, whether or not it's 30, 50, or 60, is below the, uh, is below the published maximums. Great. And then follow-up question is, um, what about your general contractor? I mean, I can read their name off of the application, but what can you tell us about them? Uh, we haven't gone under contract with any specific general contractor. Um, obviously, there's uh, great general contractors here in Lawrence that we're talking to. The general contractor that did Penn Street Lofts, uh, they uh, estimated this project and first construction also estimated this project, but we have not gone uh, under formal contract with any GC at this point. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Trent. Can I, I wanna follow up on one of Trent's questions, uh, if you give me a chance here. Uh, you, hit, you said you have uh, apartments at 30, 50, and 60% AMI. Can you, and it doesn't have to be today, but provide the breakdown of the number of units at each level? Yeah, I can I do it real quick a, if, you, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. Since we're all here. Sure. Um, there's one 30% studio unit. There's two 50% studio units and there's three 60% studio units. Um, there is two 30% one bedrooms, five 50% one bedrooms and 28 uh, 60% one bedrooms. There is one 30% two bedroom. There's one uh, 50% two bedroom, and there are four 60% two bedrooms. And then there's just one 60% uh, three bedroom. Okay. Thank you, Tony. 
Are there other questions? Yes, Christina. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, Go ahead, well, Christina. Go ahead. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Christina Gentry, a member who has received housing assistance. Hi. Uh, thank you for your all the information. Um, I think I'll, I think I'm really in, in pro the proposal. I'm really in the positive uh, that you're accepting vouchers. And it seems to be um, a very good commodity in these times in, in Douglas County, especially for renters. So I'm happy that you um, are ready. You're supporting over 20 vouchers and that you continue to do so and accept vouchers. Um, but I guess I'll ask the question that is usually asked um, of, of our applicants, but if uh, that if funding was not recommended by this board, how would you afford to meet the project needs um, and to fund this project in the budget? Um, we wouldn't have a we wouldn't have a project. Um, I, I'm assuming that somewhere down the road, if an affordable project was not recommended by the city of Lawrence or the Kansas Housing Resources Corporation, um, that it would be a market rate project. Um, you know, we we try to provide something for everybody. We believe that the west side of New Hampshire Street and Massachusetts Street uh, will be a market rate project, but we wanted to have at least some mixed components. So if there wasn't affordable housing funds available, either through this body or the Kansas Housing Resources Commission, uh, it would more than likely just be 100% market rate. Thank you. Okay. This is Sarah Waters with KU. My question is, if so if we did do partial funding for you, is there an amount you need to hit in order to get this going of that 550? So is, is there a sweet spot that you need 300 now, 250 later, or is it is it not that complicated? Oh, no, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I believe how we did it last time was, I can't remember what the breakdown was last time, but for this application, we're recommending half of the funding this year, half of the funding next year uh, to hopefully uh, take advantage of this unique opportunity without, you know, stressing the affordable housing funds uh, even more than they are. Obviously, there's never enough, uh, especially with the demand that we have now after the pandemic. Um, but the uh, the 550,000, we were uh, planning on breaking that up evenly, partial this uh, at the end of this year and then partial next year. The, the money does need to come in uh, before uh, the stabilization and completion of the uh, issuance of 8609s, um, but we are not uh, are not requesting uh, full funding this year. Ho hopefully that makes sense. Thank you. All right, other questions? Yeah, go ahead, Rebecca. Um, thanks, Tony, for the information. Uh, can you give me the range of rents? I think that's a, you know, like what's the 60% going down? Sure. Um, do, you, do you want me to just li uh, list them all real quick by bedroom type? Well, yeah, you, and you don't need to give me the 50. We know that's somewhere in the middle there, but that, yeah, sure. just that higher end, right? The 60%, sure. what do those run? Hit. 60 yeah sure 60 percent studio is 725 60 percent one bedroom is 800 60 percent two bedroom is 1175 and then the 60 percent uh 30 uh three bedroom is 1350 dollars uh per month with uh the landlord paying for uh water uh hot water sewer and trash Thank you. That was my next question that were you going to pay for sewer and, and trash? 
and water. So that's hopeful. Um, and then it, you said you have not gotten an allocation from KHRC yet, but you're waiting to hear from them in the next few weeks. Yeah, uh, I, I believe it's going to happen sometime in the next two. I've had uh, good conversations with people uh, at the state um, on, a, on a regular basis, but no, no announcement has been um, made that I have seen yet. And so if you don't get that this year, would you apply, would you probably apply for this project again in the coming year with KHRC? I think that'd be, I don't know how to answer that question just because I don't own the the real estate yet. Um, I'm sure that you're aware of this too, and it's extremely unfortunate, but East Lawrence has actually been taken out of a qualified census track. Now we were essentially grandfathered in for a 30% basis boost because it was previously in one. And so we're, you know, we would obviously hope for the best, but we're, we're, we're looking at this, unfortunately, as a little bit of a now or never for, for yeah, those reasons. That, thir- that 30% boost is pretty critical, huh? Well, there's no project without a 30% boost. Um, And and again, I'm not saying that this isn't, uh, I'm not saying that this isn't an outstanding market rate site. Um, I just, um, you know, if possible, as I've done over and over again, would like to see a mixed income component to it. Uh, And with the understanding that the highest and best use on the west side of the street is market rate, I just think it'd be nice to have some affordable uh, right there in the neighborhood as well. Um, so, but, but anyway, you know, it, it is a plan B, a, a large market rate project, uh, would also be good for the city. Um, we're, we're pretty excited to hopefully bring 48 of those units into the affordable realm though. Thank you. Other questions? All right, I have a, I have a couple of questions. Tony, first of all, it's a great project. Thanks nice. for bringing it. I'm, I'm always impressed with how you uh, figure out how to get the financing put together and get all the credits you can get and, and put these things together for the city of Lawrence. So uh, kudos on that. Um, so uh, I heard you say you don't own a site and we don't have zoning. And my experience is zoning typically takes about three months to get through the process. So with that, I'm saying I'm going to say your October start date on construction is probably a November or December start date, uh, unless you I are somewhere in the process. Yeah, a I, lot further along than than was in your application. I'll have to double check this, and, and this is this is why developers should have their attorneys with them. But I believe <laughs> I believe that it is zoned. You okay? And 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 I and if I'm misspeaking, I apologize. I I don't believe I said that we didn't have zoning. Well, the, um, but let me look that up. I think I read in the application and I read it last week. So <laughs> forgive me if I, but I, I was thinking you said you had to go through zoning and a building permit process. Well, definitely a building permit. Uh-huh. Um, and, 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 and by the way, October will be a race. No, make no yeah. mistake about it. Um, you know, especially with as much as costs fluctu- are fluctuating now. Yeah. Um, but that would be essentially uh I believe that that would be at least what our goal was on Penn Street lofts. Yeah. 
Okay. But let me let me try to find this real quick. Okay. So the root of my question is if we delayed this decision a month to see if you got KHRC funds, does that have a huge impact to you? Well, um, I will uh I, I don't I don't I mean, yes, we we in theory lose a month. And I, I will also say from a strategic standpoint. Um, I wish that I had come to the body far before now because it would sure be nice with the Kansas Housing Resources Commission that is reviewing applications today uh, and this week, mm-hmm. um, if they have not informally already made up their mind to, yeah. to you know, ha- have it be shown loud and clear that the city is supportive of this project. Sure. I think it I think it'd go a long way. Um, but, you know, it's just. Uh, there's just so many, there's more moving targets now than there's ever been, you know? And so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping before they make the announcement uh, to at least show that the city is financially partnering on this project, just as they've done in the past. Um, We did get an outstanding letter of support from the city, um, but we don't have a formal approval and, you know, I have no idea what, what those discussions look like, but I think it'd go a long way if, if, you know, while they're in the process, if they knew that, you know, there was a commitment from the city. Right. Sure. Those, uh, you know, whenever you have money in hand from some other commission, it always helps your next application. We get that. Um, so, so my only, I mean, I'm, Again, a great project. My only concern is that we have, you know, other great projects in the queue as well. And to not compare these head to head gives me a little bit of angst. So that's where my, that's where my conflict is. It has nothing to really do with the project. Um, I would just rather have it compared to all of the opportunities we have for the funds. And that's what makes me nervous about uh, awarding this ahead of time. But that's my own stance maybe not that of the board may i may i speak to that just for one second um we we designed this request almost identically to how we did penn street lofts and um the kansas housing resources corporation as many states do they have set dates you know when you have to make application and and therefore they you know have one announcement date unfortunately the timing of the tax credits and the timing of uh some of the cities um, around the country, they just don't they just don't line up as is we wish that they would at all times. This project, again, not only did we design it identically or this process identically to come in out of round just surely because of a timing standpoint, I think this project's unique to maybe any affordable housing project I've ever heard of where the developer fee is almost entirely being deferred. And the reason is so that we can remove uh, extremely blighting buildings downtown. So I, I think that in, in that in that regard, um, not only are we consistent with what we've done in the past, but there's accolades that this project has that, frankly, I have never heard of before. And the other thing that I wanted to make mention of is, you know, I feel like the general contractor on the first project did an outstanding job, uh, at least most of the days, of uh, trying to keep people off of the streets and out of the neighborhoods. The way that I'm envisioning this project is our first step would be to remove the blighting buildings and use that huge space as a laydown yard to take the pressure off of New Hampshire Street and the surrounding neighborhoods and hopefully not have that street being shut down any more than, you know, absolutely necessary. And so I just wanted to make mention of that. We've 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 been as considerate thinking about this as possible. And and obviously there's 
nobody that would sign up for a $14 million project where they're deferring all the fee unless there was something extremely unique. And I think that this uh, checks a lot of those boxes on uniqueness. So, okay. Mr. Chair, if I may, just yeah. lift it up. The properties are zoned CDUC, so they have the downtown commercial zoning district. And depending upon how the, the use is ultimately formed and functioned, multi-dwelling structures, ground floor dwellings, and work-live units are from possible uses in the CD zone. Okay, good. So we don't have a zoning process really to go through. Uh, there may be a special use permit Especially. process depending upon how they're detailed and designed, but by right, they do have some permissions for housing. Good. That's good to know. Thank you, Jeff. All right. Other questions? Yeah, go ahead, Shannon. So I, I agree with Monty in that I think... Um, the last out of cycle application was really when this body was getting started and we weren't seeing the number of applications that we see now. I'm pretty sure we're gonna have other tax credit um, applications coming in because I know at least one other developer has asked me for a letter to basically say we'll refer section eight and I am totally in support of this project. I am not in support of it out of cycle. I think we we crafted our cycle to be able to accommodate the tax credit. And so that we were trying to make the decisions by November so that the developers would know. And uh, after the last round, I personally received comments from individuals saying that they didn't think the process was fair because an out of cycle is not compared against the other ones. And so all the things uh, that Mr. Kresnik just mentioned, which I think are favorable for this project, but there is no ability to compare to other projects. And this is almost exactly half of the total amount that we have to award. And so because of that, while I totally support the project, I don't really support an out of cycle request, particularly when we're this close to our cycle of requests, um, and particularly for this such a large amount. Mr. Chair? Yeah, go ahead. I'm wondering if the advisory board is interested in hearing any public comment on this item before going into further deliberation, or if there is yeah, public comment on it. We could do that. Is, if is there public? No final questions on the application. Okay. Okay, we'll get to you here. Uh, so are there other comments before we start kind of deliberating? I know we kind of, <laughs> I probably started that. <laughs> um, so the other sure. questions, Edith, and not that Edith you can't have. Here, yeah. Edith is here and has a hand raised. I don't know if that was intentional. Oh, hi Edith. Thanks for joining us. Go ahead. Edith, we're not hearing hi. you. There you are. A little louder if you can. Yeah.
Mm, this is Leah Roslin, Affordable Housing Administrator. Yeah. Mr. Chair, it looks like she dropped off. Yeah, I'm wondering if she uh, could type in, if she has a comment, she could maybe type in the text. Uh, I don't know if she could probably hear me at this point. <laughs> All right, well, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's take our public comment and then we'll go back to the board if that's all right with everybody. So we have one person here in the, in the audience for public comment. Hi everybody. Um, I just wanted to mention, I'm representing the East Lawrence Neighborhood Association. And um, my understanding was when you represent an organization, you get five minutes rather than three. So I'm hoping that's the case here. Yeah. So my name is Katie Walsh and I'm the vice president of the East Lawrence Neighborhood Association. And we are, we support this project, great project. Um, and also Tony's lawyer, Patrick Watkins, almost always comes to our meetings. And so the community engagement has been really good, listening to our concerns. I just want to start with that. Um, so I have a few comments. Um, he's asking for special treatment by submitting an out of cycle application. And so Shannon, I was really pleased to hear your comments. Um, this is not fair or equitable to the other applicants who have adhered to the applicant deadlines. City commission now makes any agency developer, et cetera, who applies for city funding or incentives to do so once a year during our budget time. So there are not surprise requests that year. The NHAB application matrix asks if the project fills a community need. We argue that the most dire community need in East Lawrence, Brook Creek, Barker, and the Oaks neighborhoods is to keep New York Elementary and um, Liberty Memorial Middle School open. The principal and vice principal at Central and also New York meet with us regularly now since they tried to close our schools or make Central a mega elementary. We are very, very concerned. And part of the problem is we've gentrified so much in East Lawrence. People can't stay. Families that want to come need three and two bedrooms. So we are asking for more three bedrooms and we're asking you because it's a community need. Um, the school board and administration has told us if we can't keep up our numbers at New York, we will be on the chopping block. Um, my point is Mr. Krasnick's project does not help with the community goal. Out of 48 units, there are only six two bedroom and one three bedroom. One three bedroom? We desperately need more. This is what parents on the east side need and have let us know over and over during the process of trying to close the schools. Um, developers over the years, when we ask for more family units, always say it won't pencil out or that's not their market. Please vote for families in East Lawrence who want to send their kids to New York school. We know there is a market. Also, under the question, what population will be served, um, the company checked families. This is not true unless they provide more two and three bedroom units. Their application to the Kansas Housing Authority asked, what is the building type? They wrote multifamily. This project is already serving uh, receiving a 15-year, 95% tax abatement through the RNA. If they can't help our low-income families, perhaps they should not get this added funding. New York and Liberty Memorial are schools that many kids can walk or bike to. Parents tell us they value that. These schools are community hub hubs for all kinds of neighborhood activities. I think oftentimes 
and you do need to focus on affordable housing, but there are broader needs that sink in with affordable housing and our schools are one of them. We're gentrifying past fast. We need more three-bedroom apartments to fulfill our needs. Remember, our city ad city's adopted strategic plan lists equity and inclusion as a commitment. I lost myself. And a commitment to strong and welcoming neighborhoods as one of the five outcomes as a city we want to achieve. Please only grant these dollars if it helps our community with real affordable family housing. Thank you. Thank you for your time today and coming. All right, public comment. Uh, so I think we'll go to our group discussion here. And certainly if there are questions for Tony, uh, certainly feel free to ask as we as we come through this discussion so uh i'm going to open it up mr chair this is leah rosana affordable yeah. housing administrator um just to bring uh the advisory board's attention to the staff memo attached to the agenda item and if the advisory board has any questions i'm happy to go over those I included the link to the AHAB dashboard where it shows the number of projects and want to note that out of the, I believe it's 56 um, that the AHAB has, that the AHAB has contributed to funding um, that are completed units, um, Mr. Kresnik has developed 47 of those. And so um, this project, um, you know, could be substantial towards our goals. Mm -hmm. And as the memo also says, we currently only have 175 in balance left for 2022. And so the advisory board could um, choose to make a recommendation um, towards the remaining balance of 2022 and then could recommend to the city commission um, encumbrance of 2023 funds um, it, as, as seems appropriate. Okay. So anyone's thoughts on this? I, I mean, I, as I see it, there are a couple options here and uh, would require, you know, if there's not a lot of discussion, could require a motion. But one would be to vote, you know, as Leah pointed out, we could award or we could uh, make a recommendation for the ex current funds and for future funds. So that's that's one possibility. The other possibility is we could ask that uh, this be put in the hopper with our regular uh, NOFA process. I'm sure there are other options that I'm not thinking of on the fly here, but um, thoughts on that. Mr. Chair, this is Leo. Oh, Edith, I was about to read the message you sent to me in chat, but if you're able to speak and, and would like to speak to it. Can you hear me? Yeah, yes. Okay, uh, my only comment was that I agree with what I heard Shannon and Monty say, 
I think it's a great project, but I do not support an out of uh, out of process, out of cycle funds. We did that once before with the same um, developer. I, I'm concerned about the precedent that we continue doing that with this developer. And uh, I'd like to see what other proposals we get and uh, that we look at the poll. Thank you, Edith. Thanks for joining us. Other comments? Anyone? Uh, Mr. Chair, Trent Santee, the Lawrence Home Builders yeah. Rep. Uh, a couple quick questions. Do we have any other proposals in like the queue, like that are already, you know, I guess I'm unfamiliar with the, the timeline of, of when we receive the projects and we start to review them. Um, everyone keeps saying it's coming up. It's, it's very soon. Could we have some uh, clarification on if we've received anything that we know we're going to have to review or when that would be and how many items there would be? Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously people are working on and working around the existing uh, schedule that is traditional. Um, so typically what that looks like is in July, we put out the notice of funding opportunity. Uh, in September, the applications are due. In October, we have the presentations by the applicants. Then in November, we score and make a recommendation in November. Typically that's right before Thanksgiving. Uh, and then the city that would then make it to the city commission for award uh, at the December, in this case, the December 6th uh, meeting. Uh, and then funding's typically available by the end of the year. So um, that's kind of the process. So by the end, by the 6th of December, you would know if you were going to receive funding uh, on the 14th of November, you'd know that you were being recommended by this board. So we're talking about August, September, October, November, about four, four months kind of timeline for that process. This is Leah Roseland, Affordable Housing Administrator. I, just to add to that also, because we haven't released the NOFO, um, there are likely in organizations or um, companies that aren't aware of the opportunity. So once this advisory board approves it and then the city commission approves it, then we'll start marketing the NOFO. And um, um, applicants will have until September 23rd. So at this time, um, I think Shannon mentioned she is aware of at least one other developer. We do anticipate seeing at least a couple other development applications, but we won't know what those are until the end of September. Right. And we typically have five to six applications. I mean, in our normal rounds, we're seeing five to six applications of varying sizes, some as low as $25,000. Um, and then up to about a half a million. This is probably about the range that we've typically seen. So. Okay. Thank you for that. Then on that, um, I believe someone said we have $175,000 of current balances. That's 2022 money that didn't get awarded. And so this next timeline would all be for the income in 2023 money, correct? Yeah, that'd be correct. So the, I mean, there's a, 
<laughs> statute, I think it is, where we can't spend money we don't have. <laughs> so basically, uh, we could only allocate what we have. We can uh, kind of encumber future, but they wouldn't, uh, you know, there's no guarantee. We have, The tax dollars have to be collected before the city will spend them. They won't spend them on the come. So uh, yeah, I just of, want a clarification because yeah. so per his request, we couldn't we could out of cycle allocate one hundred and seventy five thousand to this project and then hold back the remaining three seventy five if if we decided to fund that portion. That's a possibility. Certainly it would reduce the impact of it being out of cycle and it's not. 550 compared to other projects out of cycle it's only 375 i just wanted to get on the same page here sure i was understanding yes yes and no but we only have that pool of funds that we're getting so it uses part of the pool of funds so we'll use when we make our allocation in november we'll we'll uh have the full pool so if we allocate the 175 now it'll be that pool minus the 175 so we don't if you allocate the money, you've allocated the money. <laughs> yeah, correct. It's, it's, it's not available in the next round. Yeah. So one of the concerns was that we're allocating money out of cycle. And so right. I was trying to clarify that if we spent the last of the 2022 money, then we essentially would have a, a separate conversation about, you know, the remaining balance he's requesting. And that could be compared in cycle with the other people it doesn't kind of work that way it's not a annual allocation we get tax income every month so we're getting less i don't know what the number is sixty thousand dollars a month something like that sixty to seventy thousand a month in sales tax revenue that comes to us so that builds over the time so the only uh what we do is we look at when we're making our annual allocation what funds are actually available so if we spend it, it is essentially allocating those dollars that are going to be available for this funding process ahead of the funding process. They're not going to be available. So you, there's really no way to, to award dollars now and not impact the future process is what I'm trying to say. That makes sense. Yeah, that's understood. I just meant we're okay. the, the, right. um, Oh, the statement sent out, it it says we're expecting $1.2 million for next year. I was just trying to clarify that that right. at a yearly allocation that it is separate, even though it's not actually. I understand. I just, I just trying to make yeah. sure that we're not withholding money from this project because of potential projects when it, we, in theory, could have money for both. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I get it. It's if, okay. if there's one, if we think there's 1.2 mailing available and we award 2.2 million now in the next round, there'll only be a million. There won't be a million two available at yeah, that point. There'll yeah, only be a million. About, so we're not talking about two, we're talking about 500,000. So I'm just yeah. trying to make sure I'm on the same page with our okay. expectations. All right. Other comments, questions? Okay, so I would uh, open up the floor, I guess, for a, a motion. Um, either 
a proposal to fund or partially fund this project or a motion to postpone evaluation of this project to the normal process. Uh, if someone wants to step out there and put something forward. I think that's where we are on this. All right, who's gonna break here? <laughs> uh, I'll do it, Trent Santee, uh, Lawrence Home Builders. I, I motion that we fully fund this project in, in the out of cycle timeline. And I understand what we, we, I guess we can only agree to fund the 175 now, but that's what I was commenting on was, so, you know, we we're expecting to have the revenue to fund the rest of it, but I don't know if that needs to be determined at a later date or what, but I would motion to, to approve it. Okay. Do I have a second on that or a comment? I have a comment. This is a Dana Ortiz family promise of Lawrence. This is a conversation we've had so many times um, over and over again about out of out of funding cycle and is our cycle the right cycle and and so we're 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 here with a a, a really remarkable project and we're ha we're ha we're wrestling with our own rules that we set so um, I'm not I don't have any insight <laughs> I don't have a solution but it does indicate some of the structure that we set up for ourselves to to have this funding, the precedence that Edith mentioned, have this funding discussion is even indicative of some of the situations we've set ourselves up for. This is Sarah Waters with KU. I'll second Trent's motion. Okay, so we have a motion and a second. Mr. Chair, this is Leah Rosen of yeah. Housing Administrator. Before you go into um, more discussion on the motion, uh, Mr. Kresnick had a clear item for clarification, if you don't mind. Okay. Is the board okay with letting? No. Okay, I have one person that's not okay with that interjecting in that. So, um, okay, so, uh, I guess we are open for board discussion regarding this motion that's on the table and been seconded. Yeah, go ahead, Thomas. Yeah, I think that one thing as we kind of move forward with this is it would be nice to see if there's any way um, that this proposal could address the East Morse Neighborhood Association's concerns. So that would be something that I think would be interesting to discuss. It, there's opportunities to maybe shift the units to being um, uh, more bedrooms. So um, we'll just be that could be taken into consideration. Okay, so I'm knowing that as a comment to Tony, the applicant, to address whether or not the units could be, could there be more multi-bedroom units? 
Um, yeah, th th thank you for allowing me to clarify that. Mm -hmm. These, uh, all, all of these metrics are based upon a third party market study. Developers love three bedroom units. We only have to build one kitchen and you get more bedrooms. Unfortunately, in multifamily environments here in the city of Lawrence, the number one vacancy you will ever have is a three or four bedroom unit with two bedrooms being the second. Um, I'd love to have a building full of three bedrooms. It's our least desirable, least sought after unit and we market everywhere. Anybody in the multifamily business will tell you that in Lawrence, Kansas, and frankly, lots of other markets in a multifamily development, three bedrooms or more are the least desirable. I'm not saying that three or four bedroom single family houses or even townhouses uh, aren't in high demand because I believe that they are. Um, we're very lucky that we're full. If I ever have an, if I ever have a vacancy, it is a three bedroom unit, which is why we did what the market study told us to do. So I just wanted to, to clarify that. And um, may I make one more comment? It's, it's, it's a 100% clarif clarification comment. It's not um, a positioning comment for lack of a better term. All right. Is it, is, Go ahead. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how, and, and I might be thinking about this wrong, but these projects are all driven by the tax credits. The tax credit applications go out the first week of February. I don't know how you could make an application to this body without it being out of cycle uh, unless you do it after the fact. And Kansas Housing Resources Corporation wants this meeting and this approval to have already been done by now. If I was, if I was to make an application or any developer making an application um, in the summertime, I don't even know what the requirements of the qualified allocation plan from the Kansas Housing Resources Corporation are going to look like. So I, I just wanted to make that comment on behalf of all developers. I, I don't know how it would even be possible. So I, I appreciate it. Okay. Thanks, Tony. All right, other comments from the board? Yeah, go ahead, Shannon. Yeah, um, I guess, I mean, I don't support this motion only because I think we undermine our process. And I think then we start looking like we play favorites and we're arbitrary and capricious. So we're gonna make everybody else go through the normal cycle. I'm pretty sure we have other tax credit units projects coming um, and that instead of having the full amount to look at for all of the projects, we will reduce what we have by half um, and, and really undermine uh, the legitimacy of this body. And so that is my problem with it. I totally support this project, but I support it in cycle. Um, and and so I just, I hate to see us undermine our own credibility. Thank you, Shannon. Rebecca, yeah, you heard with tenants to homeowners. I, I agree with Shannon and I, I feel like we could certainly look at our timeline. It is really hard to do anything with the tax credits unless we're on almost the same timeline so our application would be due. I mean, I think we were trying to address that timeline, Tony, that it will be 
you would have to submit it before you put in the February one application to our body. And then you would know if we had given you those funds to leverage the tax credits or not. Um, but I, I agree with Tony and other developers that that is really spread out and it's really hard to have all the details ready by September, uh, you know, unless you're really far ahead. And the reality is that's very much harder these days because of price changes, right? So we're, we're in a much tougher climate to kind of plan ahead on a project. Um, so I don't know what the answer to that is, um, but I do agree that I think there'll be several big development projects that could have tax credits that are looking at next year's tax credit application um, and submitting their uh, request for housing trust fund dollars before that. Thank you, Rebecca. Anyone else? All right, I am going to call the roll for the vote. The motion uh, by Trent, I believe, is to um, fully fund this project using the resources that we have now to allocate now and then recommending that future funds be allocated, realizing that the city can only, uh, can't guarantee those funds. Uh, until they're available um is that would that be correct trent uh yes thank you okay i'm going to call the roll uh rebecca buford no sarah waters yes christina gentry um, listening to the needs of the community um, and to the concerns of our board members here, I'm going to vote no. Thomas Allen. Yes. Erica Zimmerman. No. Dana Ortiz. No. Shannon Ori. No. Uh, Trent Santee. Uh, yes. Uh, Monty Sokup, no. That is one, two, three, yes. Monty, we have Edith. Oh, is Edith on? Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't see. Was that a yes or a no? Did anybody catch that? I'm not catching that. It's a no? It was a yes. It was a <laughs> <laughs> All right, I need to confirm Edith's vote because can she type that to you? Or is she able to do that? This is Leah Rizlin, Affordable Housing Administrator. Edith, if yours, I don't see that she's still on Zoom. Well, we have six no and three yes. So I think regardless of what, she so that motion fails um that puts it back in our court um would we have a motion to suggest that he submit or a recommendation i guess we could just make a recommendation that he submit 
in the normal process that the applicant submit in the normal process and we'll consider it at that time. I don't think that requires any motion since we're not making a recommendation to the commission. Would you agree, staff? On that, that it doesn't require anything if we're just not acting on the application? The role of the affordable housing advisory board is a recommend, recommendation body. So the recommendation would still go to the city commission because they would act, ultimately have to do the approval of it at that point in time. If the board was to just want to recommend that it follow the NOFO procedure correctly and you want to forward that recommendation to the city. To the commission. Then that would be a vote we would need to take. Okay. I, I make that motion. Shannon Allery, Housing Authority. Okay, so Shannon's made a motion that we forward a recommendation to the city commission that this application follow the normal NOFO process. Is that a correct statement, Shannon? Yes. Okay. Just, Mr. Uh, Chair, this is Sarah Waters. I don't understand why we're doing this. So why are we going to recommend that the developer take another step? I mean, we just voted down there proposal i think it's up to the developer now to make a decision on how they want to do it unless the city commission needs us to say that yeah i, I mean i, I think just don't we, understand. i think we should do it only because i mean we don't have funding ability so the developer can go to the city and ask for the funds which is fine and completely within his right but i think we should state our position which is that we would prefer that the proper procedure be followed yeah thank we, you. we heard thank you, the Shannon. We heard the argument to make a recommendation, so I think we should probably act on it. Okay, so we have Shannon's motion on the floor. Do I have a second for that? I will second it, Tom Allen, member of Sorry, Thomas. Any discussion regarding that? Any further discussion? I have a question. Would we require, because of our NOFA, which hasn't been approved yet, do we, Dana Ortiz, family promise, sorry, um, do we require that the uh, that the project be reapplied for once the NOFA is open, it, or or is it already considered applied? It just seems that we would have to have them uh, reapply since the NOFA has not yet been approved. That's our next agenda item, I believe. Yeah, I would I would think they would just apply through the normal process. If they chose to submit what they've already done, then that's what they choose to do, and it. I think they would probably need to reapply. Okay, so we any further discussion? All right, I'm gonna call the roll again. Uh, Rebecca Buford. Approve. Sarah Waters. Approve. Christina Gentry. I approve. Thomas Allen. Approve. Erica Zimmerman. Approve. Dana Ortiz. Yes, approve. Shannon Aury. Approve. Trent Santee. Approve. Monty Sokup, approve. Motion passes 9-0. So we will make forward a recommendation that, that to the city commission that this be pushed on. Thank you. Thank, thank Tony you. for coming in. I appreciate I, it. It's a great project. Can I ask one question? I'm a little bit confused on. Uh, I I think you need 
I think this issue is closed. I know it's not about the, it's not about this issue. It's just about the the application uh, cycle. Um, can you just direct that to staff after sure. I, this this public meeting? I think that's not appropriate. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Tony. All right. On to the NOFO. Let's uh, second item is consider recommending the city commission approval of the 2023 affordable housing trust fund notice of funding opportunity and application. Um, so uh, Leah sent out, uh, I think all like 50 pages of the NOFO and the application, which we have been over multiple times and uh, she's made multiple edits. So um, I'm gonna open the floor to, to talk about that with the hope that we would move towards approving the NOFO uh, today and the application today to push this process down the road. Monty. Yeah, go ahead, Dana. Yeah, Dana Ortiz, Family Promise. So given the conversation that we just had on this very good project, I just throw this out again with the NOFA. Do we have the right timeline? Um, is this appropriate timeline? I know we're kind of stuck with it this year, but this is something we ought to re-examine. This is Leah Roslin, Affordable Housing Administrator. Thank you for that comment, uh, Dana. The um, last year when we were had a goal of aligning the timelines, uh, the Kansas Housing Resources Corporation didn't have their timeline set for the low-income housing tax credit. And so we did our best to sort of you know, estimate based on what it had been the previous years and set our annual timeline. Um, I've checked frequently to, to see if they've updated the next year's timeline and I haven't seen that they have yet. And so, it, you know, so that might be a discussion that this advisory board wants to have is if that is our goal, you know, how much do we want to sort of hang out in, in limbo or just, or just wait for them to set their timeline um, or do we want to move forward and, and, you know, that we could look at this year and upcoming years as the advisory board. Uh, thinks is appropriate but yeah that that is a challenge and and also a goal so okay thank you leah smonty soka uh chair and i think i've not been announcing who i am i'm with uh, justice matters representative um so thank you i like you know that's interesting that it moves around and I wonder if we could work instead of maybe setting a specific timeline, if we could work towards having a standardized NOFO that we could then, once we know the timeline, we could quickly get it out instead of taking three months to get it out. We get it out, you know, if it comes out, we find out the timing in June, we get it out at the end of June, it gets approved, you know, we're reviewing in August then, and then we would avoid, you know, maybe we could avoid some of this some of this issue and change the timeline. I don't, I don't know what that does to applicants. It can't be much worse than what we just saw with this applicant and the timing doesn't work for them. So I'd rather try to work around applicants, but maintain our process. So I'm wondering if that's a possible adaptation. Does 
This is Leah Roseland, Affordable Housing Administrator. While advisory board members are thinking about that, I just wanted to uh, make an item of clarification that was in the chat. NOFO is an acronym for Notice of Funding Opportunity. Thank you. All right, are there any other comments on the existing NOFO? I think to, the task at hand today is to approve the NOFO and the process we have set up for this year. Um, you know, certainly we can adjust next year if we choose to do that, but uh, I mean, we, are there any comments on the current NOFO? Okay, then, oh, yeah, go ahead, Dana. Then, if I mean, we're kind of up against the corner now because we're heading into the third quarter almost, um, but maybe if we could have a conversation about putting this back on the agenda in our January meeting so we evaluate that early on in the year so we don't find ourselves in a similar situation next year. That's a good comment, Dana. I would also say that we ought to look at whether or not we can speed up the process of getting the NOFO approved and all that, because we seem to go and we meet once a month. Maybe we need to have some kind of, you know, couple meetings in two weeks and specifically focused on this or something like that. So we can get it pushed through faster uh, for projects. You know, if we, if we don't have a four month process, we have a one or two month process, it certainly helps us. Uh, so that may be something to consider. Um, so we'll put that on as a future topic. I'm gonna pull us back to this action. Um, we have a motion to approve the 2023 NOFO. As this is Yeah, this is Christina Gentry, President. Uh, I, uh, make a motion to approve our existing NOFO. Okay. Do I have I a second? for tenants to homeowners second. Okay, so we have motion and a second on the floor. Is there any discussion or comments? All right. One, count of three, two, three. Seeing none, we are going to call the vote here. Uh, this is to approve the existing NOFO and fund application. Uh, so, Rebecca Buford. Approve. Sarah Waters. Approve. Christina Gentry. I approve. Thomas Allen. Approve. Erica Zimmerman. Approve. Dana Ortiz. Approve. Shannon Aury. Approve. Trent Santee. Approve. Monty Sokup, approve. Motion passes 9-0, which takes us to the third item, which is Elect Land Development Code Update Steering Committee, Affordable Housing Advisory Board. Um, so I have, uh, I think we have a slate of people that have been nominated, and I received a statement from Ron 
which he asked me to read. He was one of the candidates. Uh, I'm just going to read it verbatim here. I am withdrawing from consideration for the building code review group and endorsing the selection of Christina Gentry as the Ahab representative. Christina's experience with Ahab and recognized voice for what is a largely ignored constituency. Families who've been burdened by housing costs make her an excellent choice. I have confidence that Trent would do a good job too, uh, but he is less familiar with the Ahab perspective on building code issues and our affordable housing toolbox. I urge your selection of Christina for this assignment. Thank you, Ron Gacious. I read that. So I think Ron has withdrawn, which leaves us with Christina and Trent, if I am not mistaken. Is there anyone else that would like to make a nomination of someone for that committee or volunteer themselves? Okay. Seeing none, um, I guess the process here would be to call the roll and you would either vote for Trent or Christina. Hi, this is Christina Gentry, a uh, member who uh, formerly had uh, received housing assistance. I'm really kind of thankful for Ron's endorsement, um, but uh, I had some words uh, just to kind of let the group and anyone else okay. know about kind of where I stand and, and why um, I was interested. Uh, so just kind of a couple of notes I wrote down. I'll be really brief. But as I read about the Land Development Code Committee, one of the objectives is that um, it speaks to the members that they provide and evaluate for guidance on the Land Development Code and updating processes to the consultants and to the Planning Commission and the governing body. Um, I'm just interested in to fill a seat in this space representing Ahab member holding a seat in, in this space as the position of a person who has received housing assistance or has experience with houselessness. Um, my recent experience working as a former community health liaison at the Lawrence Lucas County Public Health has provided me with what I consider like um, what I can contribute to the land development code conversations. I've worked with aggregated data, kind of real um, understanding about our geo geographic uh, makeup, our demographic makeup as well uh, currently for Douglas County. So I've got a little bit of that knowledge. I also bring like a, I think a community health lens and perspective to community conversations. Um, so I would contribute into the land development code in my perspective in that. Um, and bring that lens to it. Um, I'm also currently serving as a member of FLAT, which is the Friends of Lawrence Area Trails. And one of the goals of that nonprofit group is to complete the Lawrence Loop. Um, and that's a 22 mile paved trail that will eventually circle the city if anyone's not familiar with the FLAT board and, and its objectives. But when I think of like land development, I think of accessibility and structure and architecture. And so I think that intersects with the, the projects that we work with at FLAT. Um, so yeah, lastly, I just kind of um, reintroducing myself into um, spaces that are volunteer. So I've got a lot more time than I did before to serve on this board and to, to bring back the information that's shared in that space with this, with this body. So yeah, thanks for listening to me put my little two cents into that hat uh, and uh, appreciate that time. And thank you guys for whoever you decide to vote into that space. Thank you, Christina. Trent, I would 
yield the floor to you to uh, talk yeah, about why you want to serve. So, yeah, absolutely. Trent Santee, the Lawrence Home Builders rep. Um, first off, I want to say thank you to all of you guys and to Christina. I will happily support her. I think she would represent uh, the AHAB board very well. Has nothing to do with. Um, I think I'm better than her or, or her efforts and, and stuff to be involved. I just, this, I take this very, very personally. I was born and raised here in Lawrence. I grew up in a uh, construction related family and uh, the growth of Lawrence has been a very, you know, political and hot topic. It's entire existence. Lawrence is a special place. And, and I, and I think that we have a, a lot of, a lot of good people that participate in this process, but uh, the reality of the situation from my perspective is that we we are just behind the gun. We, we're just too slow with our with our efforts and our growth and that we need we need more action and more things now. Like we even just talk about my my involvement in Ahab is because I replaced the previous home builders rep who had to leave Lawrence to go take a job in Kansas City. I personally have taken jobs in Eudora and Ottawa because there are less jobs for me here in Lawrence. And so um, this is something that is not only personal to me, but it is my business as well. And so my involvement and development in the community uh, in the past has, has been limited to some of the other pe- the developers and, and people in this community from an, a, a professional standpoint. But like I said, I grew up in this process and, um, and was involved in, in, in uh, West Lawrence development um, a few years ago that ironically got um, made less dense by the process. We took it to the, the city commission and the planning staff and, and the original arrangements was modified to appease the neighbors, which um, I felt like was a, a step backwards as a community goal. But um, that's uh, again, you know, just that experience, but um I just, I just want to be involved. I want to be able to participate and I want to be able to take uh, my personal experience and my professional experience and Ahab's voice and, and be able to jump in and, and, and throw that in the, uh, the mix with the, the other um, real estate professionals and the people that are going to be involved in that process. Because it, to me, it's, it's bigger than, than just one project or one idea or one demographic or one, uh, you know, one way to look at it, but it ultimately comes down to me is we need more action and we need more units. We've talked about that as a board. We just went through that application and how that was out of cycle and, you know, how we have Ahab needs to figure out its process because the for-profit or market rate developers can't participate the way the non-for-profits can. And we just saw firsthand experience of how a project that was a fantastic project didn't receive our support because we're worried about other projects or the, the process of how we decide that. And ultimately all I saw was a bunch of affordable housing units and a cool project downtown just, just lost a major uh, level of support. So that, um, like I said, I just want to get in and, and get involved with that. Thank you. Thank you, Trent. And I would I would say to both of you, you know, just whether or not you represent Ahab, you can be involved in this process, you know, regardless of the outcome today, you just wouldn't hold the Ahab seat and we're limited to one seat. So, okay, is there any other comments, questions? 
okay, I'm going to call the roll and I'm going to ask that you either uh, cast a vote for Christina or cast a vote for Trent. And uh, we'll go from there. So, Rebecca? This is a really hard decision and I don't like going first. Um, but <laughs> I... We need Christina's voice on this discussion, but we need Trent's voice too, because um, I agree development code is all about supply and we need builders who can talk about how that policy and code affects our ability to actually build. Um, so I'm going to go with Trent because of that knowledge of building that the city needs to hear how difficult it is to build supply with the with the current codes. Okay, thank you. Sarah Waters. Trent. Christina Gentry. I'm assuming you get to vote for yourself. Uh, I would assume I would also vote for myself, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Thomas Allen. Yes. Erica Zimmerman. Christina. Dana Ortiz. Christina. Shannon Ori. Christina. Uh, Trent. Uh, for myself, Trent. <laughs> uh, Monty Sokup, Trent. So that puts us one, two, Three, four for Christina, five for Trent. So uh, we have Trent right now as our representative is the rec current recommendation. Congratulations, Trent. Christina, I hope you will stay involved regardless. This is obviously a tough decision for all of us because you both would do a great job. Uh, Mr. Chair, yes, yes. housing administrator, it looks like there might be public comment on that item. We have public comment online. I see a raised hand. Oh, Michael Allman. Uh, yeah, I guess we have public comment. Yeah, go ahead, Michael. Uh, thank you, Mr. Sokup. Um, I raised my hand before the vote. I'm sorry, I didn't. We didn't catch that. But go ahead. Well, I'll I'll pass on my comment about the candidates. Um, but in general, what I'd like to speak to is that in this case, uh, Mr. Santee um, focus in his work on the the uh, steering committee on what is referred to as missile missing middle housing. That is the way a lot of communities are addressing affordability. Um, missing middle housing, basically meaning duplexes, triplexes, quadplexes, uh, cottage clusters, townhouses, things of that sort. Uh, that really is the way we achieve more density. And density is what our comprehensive plan has as a primary goal. Uh, not just for affordability, but certainly for affordability, but also for um, avoiding sprawl, 
um, having more compact growth that is uh, more energy efficient and more cost effective. What, um, when it comes to affordability, the, the area that I've been focusing on recently, which some of you may be aware of, is new development, uh, particularly annexations at the perimeter of the city where we're needing to balance where affordable housing is as opposed to concentrated on the east side. So it's one of the primary ways that we can be spreading affordable housing around the community. We've had three major annexation proposals in the last year. Um, if a developer agrees to having some affordable units in these new developments, single family developments, it's no more than one or 2% of the housing. Whereas if we make it instead of single family developments, multifamily developments and mixed development, which is something that is going to be addressed in the code revisions. Um, that's one of the main areas that they're considering. If we have that multi-dwelling multi uh, multi and mixed use, they can be more of this missing middle housing. So we get potentially five, 10%, maybe even more affordable units by just changing the, the land use and the patterns of the land use. Um, so I encourage uh, Mr. Santee, which as I understand so far, the Home Builders Association prefers single dwelling zoning. Um, I think he should be looking at it, not from the standpoint of the home builder's preference, but of what is better for the community and better for affordability. Um, I could point out also that I think it's unfortunate, but now we have two representatives of the Home Builders Association on the steering committee, because there is a slot already on the steering committee for the home builders. But, um, I appreciate the time and I hope the board uh, presses issues like that in the future. Thank you. Thank you, Michael, for chiming in there. And I'm sure that Trent understands that he is not representing the Home Builders Association. He's representing the Affordable Housing Advisory Board. So um, he will, I'm sure he will carry forward his that work on behalf of this committee. Uh, next, I, are there any other comments? Okay, thank you. Uh, affordable Housing Advisory Board work groups uh, receive staff update and consider signing up. So this is kind of the last opportunity, I think, to sign up to be on one of the work two work groups we have. Uh, so I'm gonna turn that over to Leah for the staff report. Thank you, Mr. Chair. This is Leah Rizlin, Affordable Housing Administrators. Um, so I just wanted to go over the work group structure and do one last call, as Monty said, for, uh, for folks interested in joining one of the work groups. So um, the work groups will be utilized to advance specific goals that the AHAB has that we haven't been able to advance in the regular full monthly meetings. The work groups will be formed to meet on an ad hoc basis. Um, the structure, I'm not going to read every 
every item on the document. Um, just ask that you refer to it. And I'm going to go down to the work groups. Um, they are optional. Um, it's not a requirement to serve on the advisory board, but the advisory board did elect to have two work groups, a policy work group and a community outreach and engagement work group. Um, at this time, we have actually four members, I convinced Monty <laughs> um, to join the policy work group as well. Um, and we have uh, at this time, no signups for the community outreach and engagement work group. And so I'm wondering if others are interested in joining either work group, if there's no interest in joining the community outreach and engagement work group, I, um, I would say we just eliminate that work group at this time and focus on the policy work group. Um, so I'm interested in if other members are interested in signing up for one of these. This is Christina Gentry, a member who has received um, affordable housing opportunities. Um, so I have a question about the policy work group, um, specifically if it's divided into specific other sub work groups within it. Um, is there something, uh, is it like a a policy that we all agree to working on is one. I'm pretty sure we'll iron those things out in the work group themselves. But I'm kind of asking preliminary questions of myself. But would we have, say, for example, I know that a couple of times we touched on the income as a protected class and making that into some kind of policy or working that that verbiage into some kind of, of, of policy that we could uh, understand and read. Are we going to design policy work groups to, to function as working on specific policies or just like an overarching policy itself that we design uh, to work group work together as a group and make that decision within that policy work group? This is Leah Roslin, Affordable Housing Administrator. The first task of the policy work group will be to review the affordable housing toolbox and some of the recommendations that I made to the city commission in terms of policy to advance affordable housing and any other policy recommendations that advisory board members have. And the first task would be to, you know, review those and um, prioritize what policies the work group is interested in working on. Um, I am assuming with a work group of, that only includes a few members that it would be the entire work group working on one policy initiative at a time. It's, go ahead, Shannon. Yeah, I, I would like to participate in the policy work group. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you, Shannon. Um, to Christina's, just one comment on Christina's note, the uh, uh, income as a class, it was, we did work on that already and passed that on to another committee that I can't remember the name of the committee because I can't remember all the city committees, but um, it is being worked on. Uh, it was kind of taken out of our realm and, and because the city decided it was, there was a better group to handle that. So that is being pushed forward. And that may happen with other policies that we decide to look at. They may not be for this group. It may be uh, just this group trying to push the rope, as you say, <laughs> and uh, make those changes happen. So. Thank you, Monty. This is Christina. I think the Human Relations Committee is or commission right. uh, rather is working to that. Uh, so my my yeah, maybe there'll be time to intersect or you know to collaborate with that group if we could at some point. Uh, yeah, thank you for that clarification. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. 
last call for volunteers for the um, communications work group or the policy work group? Going once, going <laughs> twice. Okay. We are going to move on to the next agenda item then. Uh, this would be uh, review reports and discuss as appropriate. This is the Douglas County Homeless Needs Assessment and uh, the executive summary. Um, any comments on either of those reports? And we don't have a presentation, I don't think. No, okay. I would say that I, I uh, didn't read the entire report in detail, but I did read the executive summary. And, uh, um, you know, I think it's, it's a good summary and uh, tells us things that I think we've been, we've known for some time and we're trying to address. I don't think there's any breaking news there, but it certainly puts some data around uh, things that, uh, that uh, we thought we knew. So um it's nice to have that in hand, and uh, I applaud the work of those those groups working on that. Are there any other comments on that document or executive summary? This is Leah Roslin, Affordable Housing Administrator. Uh, just um, some context that the city and county will be working together to operationalize the data that are in these needs assessments um, in terms of planning, you know, action and items and interventions around them. And so that's going to be the next step of this process. And if any advisory board members are interested in being involved in that or learning more, you're welcome to reach out to to me more information okay thank you i would just one other note on that is you know one of the one of the comments in the that summary was that it we need more affordable housing <laughs> so if nothing else it validates our work <laughs> so <laughs> there you have that so uh with that and seeing no comments we're going to move on to the staff report Thank you, Monty. This is Leah Roslin, Affordable Housing Administrator. Um, it, the Affordable Housing staff report is attached to the agenda, so I'm not going to read all of the items, but I do want to just highlight a couple of them, and I'm happy to speak to any if there are additional questions or feedback. Um, first, I wanted to note the issue of the source of income non-discrimination ordinance process and give another update about that. So the Human Relations Commission um, voted at their last meeting to rename uh, their commission to the City uh, Human Rights Commission. That work, um, and they have formed a work group uh, to develop an ordinance around the source of income non-discrimination. They will be presenting the draft of that ordinance uh, to the commission at their August meeting, and the AHAB members may wish to consider providing live or written public comment. Um, at the last month staff report, it was noted that AHAB members' advisory Affordable Housing Advisory Board members have been invited to join that work group. So if there is any interest from AHAB members in participating in that work group, there's still opportunity to do that. Um, moving along, uh, just want to note that I uh, made the presentation to the City Commission and um, that if 
after the advisory board members view that presentation, if there are any recommendations or feedback in areas that the AHAB might wish to explore, um, those would be good items to bring back to the full board. Um, and then wanted to highlight that tomorrow there will be a joint city and county commission meeting on housing and homelessness that starts at five o'clock PM. The agenda is live online and you can, um, access the link online and I'm happy to take any other questions or feedback. Okay. Any questions for Leah? All right. Christina Gentry, real quick question, uh, Chair. Uh, question for Leah. Leah, who would be the point uh, for the Human Rights Commission to provide any kind of public comment? Can that just be done as we register, just like we do for AHAB? Or would there be, for example, some um, information I could send or something I can connect with uh, Dr. Fares Muhammad? believe it is a liaison for the Human Rights Commission. Um, how would that process go to connect with that Human uh, Rights Commission effectively and quickly and streamline. This is Leah Roseland, Affordable Housing Administrator. So um, you are correct, Christina, that on the agenda, there will be an email address to send any written or live public comment to. Um, and if you would like to bring items to the commission's attention earlier, then you're welcome to reach out to the staff liaison, Dr. Muhammad. You could also reach out directly to the chair whose information is online, or I'm happy to connect you to. Thank you very much. Thank you. Any, thank you, Samadhi Sogup Chair. Any other questions for Leah on the staff reports? All right, seeing none, uh, we're going to move on. Is there any other new business that any chair, any person has to bring to the table today? All right, seeing none, I'm going to close new business and move on to the calendar. So uh, we don't believe we have any action items for the August meeting. Um, so we were planning on uh, canceling that meeting and moving to the September uh, where we receive mid-year reports for the fund um, and review the matrix and the process. And then in October, uh, we have the fund applicant presentations and then in November, the fund recommendations. And so are there any questions on that? I have a question, but I'm going to give everybody a chance to So this is probably a question for Leah. If we have nothing in August, would it would it be possible to move our NOFO funding process up a month since we basically have no action in August? Is that a possibility? This is Leah Roslin, Affordable Housing Minister. It would just mean moving the deadline up a month because it still has to go to city commission um, in July for approval. So it wouldn't move up the funding of the November 14th date? Not it, necessarily. It, it might move it up a couple weeks, but not substantially. Hmm. Well, so, before we, okay. So we're not taking any action on the August meeting at this point, but if we don't, so I'm going to ask for us, for staff to look at whether or not we could pull that forward and what it would do 
to the process? Because well, if we could pick up a month, that... It would just mean we don't... So the after, let me clarify. So after the NOVO is approved, this board doesn't have any action until the applications are being reviewed. Um, the September meeting, it's just reviewing the matrix and process. It's already been approved. Right. And so um, if if the advisory board is interested in moving up the process so the awards are approved before November, mm-hmm. then the application deadline would need to be set earlier. Right. So right. So uh, instead of having a September 23 application due, we'd have to have an August 23 application due or something like that, August 20th. Correct. Yeah. And the um, intent of um, approving earlier this year was to give applicants more time to submit the application okay. that in the past. And according to our policies, they have to we have to have, have a certain amount of five weeks. Yeah. OK, so I guess what I'm going to ask is that we look at that and maybe talk to some applicants that we know and see if that causes great heartache in shortening that period. And if it, if it does, we just don't do anything. We can leave it like it is. And if it isn't a problem, maybe we move it up. We think we just consider it. And that may may require an August meeting if we did that, right? Or it wouldn't require an August meeting. Well, so the timeline, <laughs> it, it's okay. The timeline is a part of the NOFO. So um, if you like, if you want to adjust the timeline, then that needs to be approved as well. Okay. So I'm seeing Erica is shaking her head. No, do not adjust the timeline. Is that what I'm seeing, Erica and Rebecca? Okay. So it would have a negative impact on our applicants is what I'm seeing. Some applicants. Okay. All right. Forget it. So it looks like we'll probably cancel the August meeting, uh, given that we're probably not going to do anything different on the NOFO. And we'll look at that in the future. Okay. Are there any other comments? Then I am going to call the meeting to close. And I was told we don't have to have a motion or a vote. So you can signify by signing off the <laughs> uh, web uh, Zoom meeting. Thank you, everybody, for your work today. (laughs) Tough day. Thanks.